am so excited for you guys to listen to today's episode. Today, I sat down with Steph Munt, a physical therapist and runner herself who also treats runners and coaches runners out in Arizona. And I, I just can't wait for you guys to hear her story. It's really a story of a deep love for running after you hear how many injuries she's been through. Um, and first off, I will say, and she won't allude to this much in this episode, but Steph is a very talented runner. Um, and she has had many injuries you're going to see that have just plagued her running over and over again. And yet she still loves the sport. It's still coming back. She's just coming off an injury right now too. But this episode is going to be super important, really for all the females out there. It's really for anyone, especially any coaches that coach females. Um, Steph has had 11 bone stress injuries. She's had one labral tear that she did not have surgery for. She's going to share how she rehabbed that conservatively. Um, and also goes into a lot of her bone stress injuries came from when she was younger um, and had orthorexia, so similar to anorexia, but it was really driven by the, the, the desire to be thinner for performance in, in sport, in running. Um, and that went on to affect the number of bone stress injuries she does um, see on and off today. So I want you guys to, I really want you to listen to this, any coaches, any athletes, any PTs out there, because she has a lot to share, because not only does she have her personal experience with this all, um, she's also a PT and a healthcare professional that can speak to this. So super important. I really can't wait for you guys to get to listen to this. Um, would love to know your feedback. And so thankful, Steph, that we had you on today. So here we go. So one day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. All right. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. I'm here with Steph Munt today. Super excited to have her. She is a physical therapist and running coach out in Scottsdale, Arizona, and the owner, she is a business owner as well, of Volante PT and Performance. Steph, welcome. Super excited to have you. Thanks, Kristen. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks. Thanks for reaching out and having me on. Yes, this is going to be exciting. Steph, we've chatted some and you know, I know her history a little bit, um, but she she's a PT herself, like I said, but she has a history of a, of a, a number of injuries that are going to be really important, really for anyone, but especially the female population. Um, and this is definitely going to be super important to listen to if you are a runner. So I guess anyone listening to this, but also if you're a coach of any level and even a PT to get away um, some nuggets of her journey. So Steph, let's start, if you don't mind, just start by sharing your um run how you started getting into running so going back um mm -hmm. back in the day and we'll get into your other stuff later but when did you start running was it high school college 
I started actually, I think I was around nine or 10. Um, my mom and dad would jog. And so I just started kind of jogging alongside them. Um, and I think I probably made it, you know, a minute or two at a time with them. And then by the next summer, I was able to run as much as them, if not a little bit more. So it was just something that I saw them doing and wanted to do along with them. And then I remember kind of the the school mile each year, you know, you start in elementary school and you gradually try to beat your time from the year before. And uh, I think in fifth grade, I beat all the boys and I was super excited. So, <laughs> so that was my, my elementary school journey and then was able to join the cross country team, um, I think starting in sixth or seventh grade. Awesome. Okay. So you did, yeah. Okay. Sixth and seventh grade. Where were you at in um, middle school? What state? So that's in, that was in Urbandale, Iowa. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, so we, I think it was seventh grade that we were able to start for some reason we couldn't do cross country or track in sixth grade, but started that in seventh and eighth grade and then went on through high school and, and into college. Wow. Okay. So you've been running your whole life, literally, like yeah. probably as long as you could have been doing any sort of like running outside of just for play, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And oh, actually I forgot to mention my mom kind of spearheaded a girls track club. Um, in Urbandale with a friend of mine's dad. So we had this introduction to all the track events and even the uh, the field events as well. And that was starting in fourth or fifth grade too. So they kind of just, we didn't do much running really, probably 400 meters, 800 <laughs> meters. Um, but they did a really awesome job of introducing young girls to the sport in our community. Oh, that's awesome. So you have parents that were very into running, obviously, mm -hmm. which I'm sure yeah. sparked your interest and I'm sure still to this day, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We still will go on runs together when I'm back home, I'll go with my mom and then here in Arizona with my dad. So. Oh, very cool. Oh, yes, that's right. Your dad is in Arizona. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, very cool. And so then you, you ran in high school, you ran in college. Where did you go to college at? I went to Arizona State University um, through, so I did get through all of my high school career. Um, my first stress fracture, which we'll get into, I'm sure in a little bit, but my yep. first stress oh, fracture ahead. was senior year of high school um, in the fall during cross country season. Then my second one was in the spring and I missed my senior year track season. So I was still able to go to Arizona State. Um, but then my, my college career was very injury ridden. Um, so I actually only raced three times throughout the, the three years. Oh, wow. So I was on the team, but it, it was, it was uh, not quite the career that I had hoped for. Yeah, geez. Okay, well, let's, yeah, let's backtrack to high school. So you had the one stress fracture. Um, did you have other injuries or was it just that, that senior year? Just that senior year, yeah. But um, probably, and it's funny looking back because I – don't fully remember the timeline and I think right. that, that part of that indicates how much in my head I was I started restricting my eating and exercising more and developed um, an eating disorder I think it was sophomore maybe junior year um, I can't quite remember exactly when it, it came about because it's you know for, for other people who have had this, it's not one day that you just decide like oh I'm gonna start <laughs> restricting my eating and yeah. more it's and especially for runners specifically there's there's a difference i think between what they they term or diagnosis anorexia versus orthorexia and orthorexia is the, the more of you don't see yourself as you don't really have as much body dysmorphia but you're doing these things 
exercising more, restricting your eating to be healthy and to be faster. And you think that this is what's going to make you a healthier person and, and get you to your athletic goals versus, um, you know, those who have anorexia are typically um, restricting their eating more for, at least this is my understanding, more yeah. for um, to, to get skinnier, to look skinnier. Um, and then it just kind of takes over. You think about it all the time. And, and that's why I think some of the memories are a little bit fuzzy because I was constantly thinking about that starting probably about junior year. And, um, and then it actually helped <laughs> or that, or the consistency of running. So I started running faster and then it's just a cycle that feeds itself. Um, and then, yes, yeah, got my first stress fracture fall of senior year. And I was able to just go in the pool for the last four weeks of the season and still compete at state. Um, but then as I was coming back from that, got another one in the spring and missed all of track season. Jeez. Wow. Well, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And I know we're going to dig in even more. Um, and I don't think I even knew, I guess, I guess I've heard the term, but I didn't really, I haven't paid attention enough to know like the difference between those two terms or really heard that. And I would think I, you know, should be, you know, I'm sure I've heard of it, just didn't put two and two together that, you know, it's restricting for the performance reasons versus restricting for the body image reasons. I think that's right. super yeah. helpful. Um, Absolutely. And still can have the same, you know, negative side effects, but I think it's, well, I, I don't know if it's important to have, have a label, but for uh, girls who are athletes and trying to improve their performance, they can have some sort of disordered eating without it being a full-blown DSM-5 diagnostic criteria of anorexia. And I think that's kind of where that, that middle ground is of the, the yeah. term orthorexia or just disordered eating. Yeah. And what, if you don't mind me asking, like, do you remember like the thoughts that were going through your brain at that age? Like, do you remember specifically just being like, I need to get faster and this is how I'll get faster or where you even heard that from or took that in from? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think at first it was probably things that I saw, girls who I saw who were running really fast, looked really lean and fit. And, and so the thoughts were that certain foods were bad and they would probably slow me down. Whereas other foods, vegetables, um, I avoided certain types of meat. I had very interesting, interesting habits, but certain yeah. foods were just off limits because they were going to make me bigger and slower. And, and so that's what I was constantly thinking about. And then running more would obviously make me better at running. So those yeah. two things combined. <laughs> Is, is what I was thinking about. And then over time, it just developed into something that I felt like I couldn't control. It was like more of these fear foods. Instead of choosing yeah. to avoid them, I had to avoid them. That makes sense. Like that mental process that happens. And no, I just think it's, yeah, it's interesting to know like what, what exactly you're feeling and how, I mean, mm -hmm. how helpful like that you, <laughs> maybe I'm going there too fast. Not that it's helpful and it's good that you had this experience, but I'm guessing it's I guess nowadays you can help other runners, you know, um, younger runners in that, that same position. Have you, have you, I guess, have you had a lot of experience working with, um, you know, high school or even collegiate athletes, um, with different eating disorders or, you know, the results of them with bone stress injuries and everything? Not yet. And that's, that's kind of where I'm hoping to head. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's been, it's, challenging a little bit to find my place as a physical therapist in that um, because I know it really requires a whole team 
Um, but yeah. I feel like over the past few months, I've been able to build that, that team and I can recognize when that might be an issue. And I have been able to talk to uh, like a few kind of connections, like friends of friends who are struggling with similar things. And we'll get on the phone and have a conversation and I can refer them to, to someone else who might be able to help. And just, I think sharing our stories has been able to help a few select individuals yes. so far. Um, but I'd really love to get into more of that space where I can affect that change at a younger age. Yeah, no, I love that. And yeah, no, I think that'd be great. And I know it's something you're heading towards, but do you have any advice? Like, let's say if there's a high school listen, high schooler listening to this, or it doesn't have to be a high schooler, obviously, you know, it can be at any level, but anyone that, you know, might um, have even dealt with these issues in the past or current or have someone listening has, you know, um, a friend or a family member, anything that might be you know, facing these issues, any, I guess, suggestions to them on, you know, first steps on um, where they should head towards? Yeah, absolutely. I think advice for that person and also their, their family and their loved ones. So for that person, um, know that you're not alone and that you, you can take back control because I just remember being in my head so much and feeling like this is something that I'll, that will never go away. Um, but, and it did, it did over time, but I didn't do it myself. So reach out for help and you have to just get uncomfortable and face the fear. It's kind of like being in a business too, right? Um, um, recognizing what you're afraid of and, and comparing where you're at now to, to kind of where you want to be. And if you just keep doing the same things over and over, you're probably not going to, not going to get there. Um, and for the family, um, I think know that you're, there's nothing you did wrong or, or, or uh, forgot or, or just didn't, didn't do correctly to create that in your loved one. And pushing them a certain way is probably not going to help. Um, so I think just being open to listening and, and acknowledging what they're feeling and their fears and helping them find other resources. Um, because when people you love try to get you to change, you know, you end up just pushing back most of the time. Yeah. So, yeah. so just, just supporting them and being there and when they're ready, just, just get, being there to, to help them find resources, I think is, is one of my uh, best pieces of advice because it can, I think, and this goes for anyone dealing with or helping someone in a tough situation, you feel like you may have failed them for some reason. And that's, that's right. not it at all. You know, these things are very complicated and um, there may be some evidence of genetic predisposition, but then the environment creates all this too and social media pressures. So um, just not blaming yourself and, and being open to what they have to say and not necessarily listening to fix them, but, but just to hear it and, and understand. Yeah. No, that was really good. And not even what I was expecting, but like super helpful. And I think that's just a great advice for like any like habit change, I feel like, or anything you're trying to change within yourself. Like, I I like that you weren't just like, oh, just get help or just do this. Like, it's like the actual things we need to reassure, you know, reassure ourselves and you're not abnormal. You're not, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to, what can you do to make these changes? So I, I like that for all aspects. (laughs) Yes, that that was huge because I think we can get stuck in this like, oh, it's a disease and I have it and it'll never go away. But that doesn't have to be it. You know, these 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 people who 
are cured or get better are no different than you. Yeah. They just made the choice to change every single day. And exactly like you said, that, that habit change. So know that you're, there is hope and it, it's just going to take a lot of hard work. Yeah. No, I like that. That was good. So you had, did, how did your high school career go? Then I, I know how it ended, but did, you obviously must have had some success to then go on to Arizona State. Um, did you have a, you know, yeah. performance-wise pretty successful high school career regardless or? Yeah, yeah, I did. And I was lucky to have some other really um, talented females in kind of my era. Um, but I won, I had three state championships while I was there. Um, I think my best race is probably the the 3K in Iowa. We ran the 1500 and the 3000, not the, the mile and two mile. Um, and uh, Katie Flood was one girl. She went to Washington who was, who was really talented. And then Shelby yeah. Houlihan, who's uh, obviously also very, very talented and running really well professionally now. Um, she was a freshman and I was a senior in Iowa. Oh, wow. or at, in, yes, in Iowa in high school. So um had some really awesome girls to to compete with and against um but had my best year probably probably junior year and that's when I started running a little bit more mileage and thinking that it was paying off dropping a little bit of weight and running more had my best season and then kind of came crashing down yeah shoot dang but how cool that you had a bunch of like uh like good runners right around you in like yeah, in Iowa in Iowa yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah good runners came out of Iowa <laughs> I know yeah well, and then uh, Carissa Schweitzer also was around she was oh, younger yeah, but that's right but she was from uh Des Moines area as well oh yeah that would make sense yeah. Dang. all who, right who would have thought <laughs> <laughs> So you ended your high school career not in the best way, and then you go on to college, and well, you kind of alluded to it, right? You raced three races your whole, was it three races your whole college career, right? Whole college career, yep. It was cross-country track? I know it doesn't really matter, but... It what? was all track, okay. yeah. I did not, did not compete in cross-country at all. Oh my gosh. Um, so I started, and the first issue was that I was, I think I was 88 pounds or something like that when I got there. So yeah. tiny. Yeah. And, uh, and so the doctors said, you know, we won't, we won't let you run until you hit 100 pounds, which now that's a very arbitrary and weird number. There should have been other things that they put into place for me to reach before oh, I started running, <laughs> but, but that's what they said. And uh, so that in itself is, is very damaging coming from Iowa to a different state and like having immediate friends right but I couldn't actually be with them so I would go to practice and do body weight workouts and sit there and and so automatically feeling like you're not actually part of the team right um and so that fall I just kind of ran secretly on my own of course (laughs) and so somehow even though I wasn't running ended up with another stress fracture um very stubborn but this whole time, I, I think I was just not acknowledging that I had an issue. Um, and yeah. by that time, I think my metabolism was just on such overdrive because I did make some changes. I started to eat 3,000 calories a day, um, but I was still running on my own. And I don't think it was enough to overcome that, that hump. Um, in addition, when I started school, I had not yet had a period. And so they just put me on oral birth control to kind of kickstart that. Yeah. Um, which is another thing that I now have an issue with doing in young females. I'm sure there's, there's some research for certain cases that it's good, but um, 
I, I think that ended up just covering up the problem yeah. um, that my body was not in an energy state that I, it could sustain having a period and being a normal, healthy female. Yeah. Um, but instead of addressing that, it was more about this reaching this goal of 100 pounds. So <laughs> but I ended up with another stress, stress fracture, <laughs> even though I was telling them I wasn't running. So there was a little, uh, <laughs> a little bit of a, a rift between me and the doctors at that point. Um, but that one was a femoral neck. So that one took yeah. a while. I was on crutches for a long time. Um, and then I ended up, I think that one just took a long time to heal. During the summer, I started to come back and was, you know, trying to play catch up, which I think is what happens with a lot of recurring stress fractures. People try to get fit again really fast. Right. And uh, right before cross country season, got another one in my tibia. Um, and then again, I think I was like, I actually, I don't think I remember going back to the doctors for my physical that August and. I was at 97 pounds. I was like, yes, I gained a lot of weight. They're going to let me run. And it was still this, nope, you didn't hit 100. See you later. And so then I ended up just reaching out all around. I was like, okay, this is the, the last straw. Like running has been taken away from me twice now. I need to, need to get some help. And so mm -hmm. I went to intensive outpatient therapy um, nearby it was great that it was close to campus um and learned a lot of i did we did a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy um and kind of challenging my belief system and my fears around food and uh, weight gain and uh about three months it was transformative like i i put on some weight i felt good about it i wasn't scared anymore and then the next spring was probably my best best year i had gained weight i could practice with the team um, and that was when I ran my three races. Okay. So that's, so is that sophomore year then? That, that was sophomore year. Yep. Three races. Did you have good performances <laughs> or like? Yeah, I think they were decent. It wasn't as fast as I ran in high school, yeah. um, but it was off, you know, 12 weeks of training. And <laughs> my, my coaches were super nice. They had me go to, um, it was pack 10s at that point. Now it's pack 12, but they took me to pack 10s, even though I wasn't. I didn't run that fast, but, yeah. um, it was, uh, nice of them to let me have that experience. Right. Right. At least you had your, your, your couple experiences there. Mm -hmm. So, so then you get, you got healthy and you healthier at least, and then got mm -hmm. to race a little bit. So then what happened after that, that, that do you continue to have reoccurring stress fractures again then? Yeah. Yep. So again, that summer, and I think the, the kind of, again, playing catch up and running on our own during the summer, okay. I was always trying to run with the boys to get faster and um, trying to just constantly push myself. And then I think it was two more stress fractures that year. Um, so that was up to six and just wasn't able to race. So it's two more that year. And then did you, did you throw, did you say you didn't, did you run the next year then or were you done? No, I got so frustrated. I just actually quit right before my senior year. Okay. Um, yeah, they were again, very, the coaches were very nice. They were, you know, if you want to come back for track, let us know. But I think they, they got it. Yeah. Um, but then I was, you know, I, I was still loved running so I started running on my own trained for a half marathon got another stress fracture <laughs> it was like okay the the issue that I was trying to avoid obviously wasn't the coaches that did this to me <laughs> yeah this is uh, something's going on 
Oh, I don't think I mentioned too, during this time, I got um, bone NCCNs, which is very important for female runners to get if they're having recurring stress fractures. Um, so I actually had osteoporosis when I was 20. Um, and that was a big eye opener. Um, yeah. So for anyone who, who doesn't know, osteoporosis is just basically very weak, low, low density in your bones. You're at a high fracture risk. And they screen for this in women generally over the age of 60. So to have it at 20 was, was uh, really, really bad news. Um, but between that and my second DEXA in 2012, I gained about 20 pounds. Right. And my DEXA showed osteopenia after about two years in, in weight gain. So I think, you know, the, the point of putting someone on birth control at age 17 to start their period is to give them estrogen and hopefully improve the bone density. Yeah. Um, but if we look at my data between 18 and 20, I mean, who knows? I could have had worse osteoporosis at 18. Right. But being on estrogen, calcium, vitamin D for two years, I still had osteoporosis. <laughs> Once I gained weight, that's, I think, what helped me improve my bone density. And then yeah. I've done research on this too with other females and, and it's shown pretty similar results that it's not necessarily this influx of estrogen that's getting you, your bones healthier. It's actually this part that we don't want to do, right. which is gaining weight and actually getting to a place where your body's like, okay, we have enough energy. We can sustain basically the, the possibility of reproduction. Yeah. It's like the hard work, the actual change versus just covering up like same thing. Uh, yeah. Going exactly. back to, I guess, anything that's hard to do really. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The hard stuff makes it, makes it worth it. Yeah. What do you wish you knew, or, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of things, wish you knew or did differently, or if there, is there anything you think you could have done even in college that would have allowed you to run more looking back now? Yeah, I think initially, um, and I, I take full responsibility for all of my actions and choices throughout that time. Um, but I think initially, if I had had a team that was more willing to work specifically with me and not only a, a good nutritionist. Um, the dietitian that was at Arizona State was not very helpful. Um, so if I had a good nutritionist, if they had sent me to a counselor, had someone good to refer me to, there was, again, there was a sports psychologist, but that was not, not what I needed at that point. Yeah. You know, it wasn't this like performance anxiety or anything. No. Like I needed an actual counselor, um, which is not what everyone um, who is in a low energy state needs. But because I had had value attached to staying thin and, and had this kind of fear of food. That's yeah. definitely what I needed. And then um, even a, a knowledgeable PT, you know, and that's where I hope to kind of change our field for the better because they, there was never any indication or I was never told that physical therapy could help me. It was like, Oh, it's a bone. It'll heal. Then you go back out. Yeah. Whereas if I had had someone who had been guiding me through the return to run and had told me more about um, loading bone and the effect of sleep, stress, weight on bone, um, I think it could have turned out much differently. No, for sure. That's all good points. And I'd be curious to know if that is more of a thing now, like mm -hmm. if it's progressed or not. I mean, obviously I think it, we're always improving and um, yeah, not everywhere is going to be different, but it, yeah, it's crazy how just having a good 
team of people to help you. And you're, you're at an age where you're not going to know that unless someone else tells you and reaches out. Um, and, and so you did allude that you finally did like heal yourself and got better. Was that in the process of where you're talking about your weight gain and stuff or what, what, and what do you feel like finally got you and when did you get to the point? Was it in college or was it after that you got to like a healthier state again? Yeah, I think it was during that, that fall semester when they basically denied me from coming back and running with the team my sophomore year when um, I actually like considered transferring and, and all this, you know, it was like, uh, screw you guys, I'll go somewhere else and they'll let me run. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I didn't and I stayed there. And I think it was a combination of um, that, like it got to the point where it was like, I need to do something. I know this is a problem and I haven't addressed it. So this like, it got bad enough that the, the thing that I loved and that felt like I belonged and set me free was taken away again. It had to, it took two times. Yeah. And that combined with the cognitive behavioral therapy we did at, um, Rosewood is what it was called. And, just kind of changing my view of food. Um, I think those were the the two big things that it was like, okay, I'm making this decision now. I am choosing to get better. And then the help that I got um, from a, like a emotional mental standpoint. Yeah. Um, and that led me to be able to, to freely eat, to stop exercising for a short period and then ease back into it, put on the weight and then, kind of going from there, maintaining that over a couple of years. And there's, there's still times where I struggle with just every female, I'm sure, with body image and should I eat that? And why does my body look like this? That yeah. kind of thing. But, but it's never been the same where I just feel so stuck in my head. Yeah. Like, you know, the tools and stuff. So really, once you did get that help, that was the main part that ended up helping you long term too. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then, so then didn't run your last year. Um, how many more times did you end up getting injured after that? I guess I should just say with the bone stress, because I mean, we know like once you like, because of the, the, um, the low energy state and the number of stress fractures you had from when you're younger, that predisposed you and made you more, um, likely to have them as you're older. Correct. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So even after or the year that I quit, it was still osteopenia, which is still, you know, as a 18 to 25 year old female, you want to be at your highest bone density level. So osteopenia is still, still pretty weak. So um, I had, I stopped running for a while. Um, I had another femoral stress fracture, thigh stress fracture. Um, and a right fibular stress fracture in 2014. Um, and then 2015, I had another tibial one. 2016, I was actually very healthy. Um, going through PT school, I did pretty well. I wasn't running a ton. It was more for, you know, just general enjoyment. Yeah. And then 2017, I think was also pretty healthy. 2018, I had a right fibular stress fracture again. Um, thought that I might have uh, might have had another left femur, but that turned out to be a labral tear in my hip. And then now I've got a right fibular stress fracture again. So, so that one's been interesting. That one's not really a weight-bearing bone. Um, and so 
I think that may be due more to mechanics. Uh, my coach and I are kind of going to be working, working through that after I get back to running. But um, yeah, I think I, I posted about the healing this morning and, you know, the, the reason for stress fracture, right, is, <laughs> is either abnormal stresses or excessive stress to a normal bone or normal stress to an abnormal bone. An abnormal bone would be one with osteopenia or osteoporosis. And I think yes. in, in my case and with any woman with low bone density, you're going to get a mix of both. Right. Um, so it, it, you know, this latest one is, I got another DEXA and everything's actually pretty close to normal. It's like low for people our age, but yeah. much better than it used to be. I'm no longer in osteopenia range, um, which just side note about that, like that in itself, I think should give young females hope too. If they've already had a stress fracture and you've got low bone density, I was able to improve by leaps and bounds between age 20 and 29. So <laughs> that's like, yes. And cause that was a, uh, you know, have you ever heard like, Oh, you need your peak bone mass by 25. Right. And as I got closer to 25, I was starting to get terrified. Like I was in my head. Yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, what if my bones are super weak for the rest of my life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it actually continued to improve after age 25. So if you're out there and you're wondering, it, it is possible. Um, but back to, sorry about my tangent. No, that's super. I think that's super helpful because I would think too, like, I feel like, yeah, what we were told is just like, or like, isn't it like, like it's all determined when you're younger. And then I don't know, I would maybe have that thought too of like, okay, I have osteopenia, even osteoporosis when I'm younger, I'm going to have it. It's not even going to go away. Like that's just the rest of my life. Like, right. Maybe I should just give up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so don't, you can still build your bones. You can build it up through your 20s. Still. You can, yeah. Um, but on my, my most recent stress fracture, since we know that bone density is pretty close to normal, um, that kind of allows us to look at some other things, you know, like what in my mechanics is putting some more stress on, on that ankle. Right. Um, so I think the biggest, sorry, I just totally talked your ear off, but the biggest no. take home points are if you have a stress fracture, make sure you have a team around you. A knowledgeable physical therapist is going to be, that would be the first person that I go to. Um, and they will likely have connections to refer you if you need to talk to a counselor, if you need a nutritionist, if you need to, to get a bone density scan ordered. That's, that's all huge because bone stress injuries are super complex and it's, it's not as easy as rest for six weeks, swim for six weeks, and you're fine. Go back to what you were doing. That's, a huge part of the problem um, of why people are getting recurrent stress fractures. Um, and the second part is it, you know, it may not come down to just one thing. It may not be your bone density. It may not be your mechanics. There's, there's a lot of different things that could be. And that's where a PT or coach like, like we are can really help you figure that out and avoid it in the future. Yeah. And, and I would add to that too, like, you know, seek out a PT, but if you need help finding a referral to, you know, a PT that's, you know, going to specialize in sports or running, feel free to reach out to either of us because I mean, not every PT is the same. Some PTs don't deal with things like that and they might not have the resources. So also don't just assume you went to a PT and it didn't help. Like it it is a little bit in your, um, like you have to be your own advocate and find the PT that's going to help. Like I promise you there's a PT out there that can help you. And if, if it hasn't helped in the past, this is for any injury in general, like don't just assume that's all PT. This is for anything in life. Like there's someone out there that can help you. You just have to do the work and reach out to people to figure out who it is. Um, Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. And I know we both got 
um, some really knowledgeable people in different different realms, you know, to find the, the person that's the best fit for you. So yeah, I'd encourage people to reach out to either of us. Yeah, even personality-wise. Maybe they were great and you just didn't mesh with their personality. Like, it can be totally. so many <laughs> So, yeah. no, I love that. And, and gosh, just, like, how many I – so, Steph is still, like, current day today not running. No, but she's still running. Like, you know, after all of this, <laughs> she's still running. Like, I don't know that yeah. many people that would probably love something that much to keep at it after that many setbacks – what do you think it is or what is like, I guess, what has it taught you for one going through that many in- injuries in general? I mean, that many stress fractures on top of it, bone stress injuries. I yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's taught me patience. That's for sure. And, and really the experience of kind of losing your identity, but being able to create it, with, with other things or, or find yourself again in other things. I still very strongly associate with um, being a runner, uh, but that was all I had for several years. And so each time it just crushed me and it still, you know, doesn't, doesn't feel great, but yeah. it just really crushed me um, initially. And um, after my, I had the labral tear in my left hip, I remember Lindsay Plast, she's a PT in Chicago. She sent me a message about, um, cause that one was really, really damaging too, because I, I felt like that, that one, I felt like I would never be the same because of the stress fractures. I was like, okay, I know what to expect. Um, but that one really felt like I would never be the same. And she said, um, you know, you can really become Stephanie, the person who loves to run, not mm-hmm. Stephanie, the runner. And yeah. that really stuck with me. Like um, so, so I think patience with the injuries, um, it really just taught me too, like you said, how much I love the sport and I'm passionate about it. There's no other thing that can give you those, those same endorphins, that same high, at least for me. I know, I know people who get that on the bike. I know people who get that from, from swimming even, which I cannot understand, <laughs> but, but there's no other thing that can bring you that same feeling and seeing the improvement from, um, not day to day, definitely not, not even week to week, but month to month and um, getting back to that feeling of like pushing your limits to the max in that yeah. way is just unbeatable. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's helped me really um, to better help other people and understand what they're going through and not, you know, not always try to be a fixer. Um, when these things come up and knowing that you're dealing with way more than pain in a bone, you know, yeah. you're, you're dealing with changes in your routine, changes in your social circle, changes, just especially for us females, how you feel about your body every day. You know, I probably look the same every single day to most people, yeah. but when I'm not running, I feel like I, I just am less vibrant, less, uh, robust and resilient and so I think understanding that that's the component of it helps us to better help other people yeah really know the the mental aspects and the yeah confidence and all that and no I can definitely relate to a lot of that for sure like when you're not running not able to work out you know not able to do as much yeah you just don't I I also do feel like it's at first I think you settle into a routine a little bit or you find ways to at least once you've gone through injuries a lot um, hopefully you get to a point where you 
you find other ways to get similar feelings. At least that's how been like for yeah. me. But same thing, like I really like the the saying that, you know, you were, and I think that's helpful to know, you were Steph who likes to run, not Steph the runner. Um, mm-hmm. That was definitely my, an injury I had back in 2013. Um, so I, 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 I have not had as many injuries as you at all, um, but I had heel pain. It's been my big thing that I've had. I'll get over mm-hmm. and over again. And I just remember like my bout I had in 2013 was a big wake up call to getting rid of running as being an identity, like my identity. And I thought that was mm-hmm. like, I remember being actually thankful that I had to figure that out for myself. Like I'm can identify myself with other things. Like it's not just as a runner or as an athlete in general. Like I played a lot of other sports growing up too, but like, let's find who Kristen is without like a sport even <laughs> or without running. Cause that was just what I always held on to as my identity. And I think, you know, injuries and anything difficult in life can teach us <laughs> good lessons like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I like that. I had to write it down the, the just to remember for anyone I'm working with stuff that likes to run, yeah. not stuff the runner. <laughs> right. And that can be hard to swallow at first, but sounds like, like you mentioned, you were able to enjoy some other things and just kind of see, a, you know, a zoomed out view of yourself yeah as as someone who enjoys moving your body and getting outside rather than just this very specific runs 5k's at this pace (laughs) right right exactly yeah no because that can be a big thing too when you're coming back you're like I'm so much slower and you know and get back there um Let's, well, let's see. Let's, let's, well, we're going to come back. I want to ask Steph about her one. Is this your only injury you had that wasn't a stress, stress or bone stress injury? It was that your labral tear? Did you have any other? Yeah, I had a small, like probably grade two calf tear. I didn't run for like three months, but that wasn't a big deal either. Yeah. (laughs) Compared to everything else. No, not at all. Um, But we'll come back to that. Let's just, just for a second to go off all the injuries. People are like, oh man, this is is depressing. Shoot. I hope we're adding inspiration though too, right? Shoot, 11 stress fractures. Like, (laughs) but I hope like someone out, you know, they can relate too and like just learn from this. What, what are your Okay, we can go to your current day. You're currently injured, but you're getting back there. What are your goals? Have you started to think goals um, after the injury at all? Or is that too too Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, even coming back from the, the labral tear, um, I, and this may be a little far-reaching, but I decided with my coach that we're going to try to, I'm going to try to qualify for the 2024 tri- marathon trials. Yep. Now that said, I have never run a marathon. Um, I have run a half, um, a couple halves. Um, and, but my fastest time was 121. So it's a little bit of a stretch. Um, but at that time, I think I was running like 25, 30 miles a week. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't know if it's realistic, but why not? go for it. So along the path, I have to run a marathon first. <laughs> True. <laughs> and uh, yes, consistency was, was one of my goals first, but uh, I, I definitely asked to push a little bit harder in April. And I think that's, that's what kind of brought this one on. Okay. Um, yeah. So consistency is probably my first goal. Um, this is obviously an okay time to not have any races for, for yes. most people. Um, and then, you know, on the way to hopefully a qualifying time, we've got three years so yeah 
No, you had plenty of time. I mean, I know I don't, yeah. it's not like I've been following your running journey forever, but I mean, I think you can do it for sure. Just knowing no. what you've done <laughs> off of not that much, how much consistent training have you had in your life? You know what I mean? Like not. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's a big thing in, in performance, right? Is that, that consistency of training. Yeah. How's yours going? It's good. I actually, yeah. well, I guess, oh, should I share on this or not? I, I shouldn't share. <laughs> no pressure. Are less than 24 hours in the making in my brain, but maybe I'll just share it on here anyways. <laughs> but I was sitting, last night, I was like, I need a goal. Like I'm, you know, in life in general, a little like, uh, like, you know, like whenever I have a big goal running wise, it helps with things. So mm-hmm. I was talking to my sister last night and she's recently gotten into running and everything. And I was like, so this will go along with your goals. I was kind of like, you know what? I have to text my coach. Coach, if you're listening, I haven't texted you. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I'll train for my first marathon. So, so yes. you can- yeah, you just got to speak it into existence, right? So there I shouldn't say first, first one I've trained for. I've done one, but I didn't train. Okay. okay. So <laughs> I don't know if she'll agree with this idea though, because my goal is still to have a track season, but I was like, everything's canceled yeah. anyways why don't I like, yeah. And my main reasons are actually not even for myself. I'm not big into the marathon training. It's because, uh, for the people that I coach, because I'm like, I've Definitely. never really, I haven't trained really for an, a marathon. So it's actually more to be like, I need to experience this. Um, Definitely. and I just want to, I need a big goal, right? Not, not a big goal, but like something to like, you know, I ran in North Dakota, which made me feel like a badass. I feel like I, you know, I was like, I'm doing a track season at age 30. Who does that? Like, I need something. <laughs> I need something that's a little more not normal. So maybe that's what Yeah. I like it. I think you're, I think you're up for it. But yeah, that would, that's with your coach. And, and <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyone listening, if you hear this, I mean, who knows if that's what's going to happen, but that's my latest and greatest idea. So that's awesome. If I'm excited with all the races getting canceled now, it's like I finally know, getting yeah, to me. I was not very, at first I'm like, whatever, like, this is fine guys. Like we can still train, but now yeah. it's getting to me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With the uncertainty, you know, it's, if we right. had a, an end date, yes. it might feel a little better, but we just don't know, but no. keep rolling forward. Well, yeah. Man. All right. Well, I love that goal and you have time and what have you learned from your, I mean, all your injuries so far going back in, are you going to take it slower necessarily or no? Is it just looking into things like you were saying your form and figuring out why it might've happened? I think it will end up being more gradual. I think I I forget that um, even having, you know, I've been running for gosh, 20 years now, even that, just like you said, it's been like this. There has been zero gradual consistency. So I think in my head, it's like, oh, 30 miles a week is no big deal. But when I stack that on top of each other for weeks at a time, um, combined with all these other possible stressors, like, you know, quarantine and starting a business, (laughs) moving and all that, you know, um, taking that into account when managing everything. So yeah, I think it'll, it'll probably look like very low mileage, maybe even incorporate some pool work continued throughout, um, but some very steady, very small builds in mileage and just working on a lot of that consistency before adding in any speed. Yeah. 
Have you, when you are running and healthy and everything, do you run six days a week, seven days a week? Or like, have you had to do things like you run less and you have to supplement, you know, biking or swimming or anything like that? Yeah, I was around five days a week, um, typically not more. And then the sixth day, I'd usually do like a a longer walk um, or hike. Um, Didn't consistently add in biking or pool before um, April. But I, I'm going to talk to my coach and I think she's, she's, uh, would like to do that as well is add some of that in just for some variety. Yeah. Yeah. Play around with that a little bit and see, cause I know, yeah. I mean, even elites do stuff like, you know, like that. So yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and you have this big goal, which I, I don't know, it's a big goal, but I think you can do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you ran like a, did you run sub 60 for? 15k or what it was called yeah right yeah yep I did in March um several years ago I ran uh like a sub 55 minute one um so (laughs) (laughs) so so it was like uh you know it was bittersweet though when you're like oh I'm older can I be faster but um but yeah so I I did run about the pace I'd have to run the marathon at okay okay so okay Okay. you know do some work on that but yeah yeah no that's awesome what's the what's the longest you've consistently trained for then in general probably and not really intentional training so much but just been healthy and run for I think it would probably be uh, probably a year and a half actually through grad school okay okay and then this most recent bout was like a year ish it was actually yeah, so I started back running with like 30 seconds at a time, um, June of 2019. Okay. Um, officially started training, um, running like four or five days a week in September. Okay. So about nine months. Okay. Okay. Nine-ish. Yeah. Okay. And, and so we're going to go into, so Steph also has been through, and this would have been like when I first talked to you, you were going through a labral tear injury. Um, and I want to dig into that just because there's, I mean, I've had a lot of clients. I've had a lot of friends that have faced labral tears and some have had surgery and some have not. And I just Mm -hmm. would love to go into Steph's experience with it and what she did. And even though she's had this stress fracture now or bone stress injury I should say um she like she's um even though she had it now like the labral tear as far as I know hasn't been an issue like you you did a lot of things to rehab it and like shown that you do not need surgery and you can if you do things correctly like you can get back to clearly running at pretty fast speeds if you know um it was good so I just I really wanted to dig into that because I know a lot of people face those injuries and and there's just so much out there that's like, oh, you have a labor tag, you're done with anything in life. I feel like not even just running. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we didn't learn much about it in school besides like protocols. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, I started having some hip pain and mine was atypical too. So this could be good for <laughs> clinicians for differential diagnosis. Um, I started having some like anterior thigh pain, some, um, So I guess kind of like for those who don't know as much of the anatomy, so just like front of the thigh pain, um, side or like greater trochanter and then ischial tuberosity or like kind of like butt pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, so 
so it started in actually June of 2019. And I thought this was uh, another femoral stress fracture. So I took three or four weeks off and then started back running. And I was like, wow, that was fast. My bones are so healthy. <laughs> like, must have been it. But I think that was the first sign I had of my labrum being irritated. Okay. And, uh, and then it came back full force in November. And from September to November, I started ramping up my mileage. I stopped strength training. Um, I was running fast most of the time. <laughs> and uh, so I still ran my race. Of course, I had another 15K that, that December and I ran the race. And then after that, I just, I couldn't really walk. Um, so I took another four weeks off and did my whole stress fracture routine without an MRI. <laughs> okay, I'm going to offload it and I'm going to swim. And then I started getting back into things and it just was not getting better. Um, and it, I never had groin pain and I never had clicking or popping. So in, to, in my head of, you know, trying to diagnose myself, it was like, this doesn't seem like a labrum. Yeah. Um, it, it was odd that I had referred pain to like the sacrum and stuff, but, um, but I still thought maybe it was bone, but finally I got an MRI and it showed a 15 millimeter posterior superior labral tear. So a lot of them that we see that have like the impingement and the pinching um, yeah. are anterior tears. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was just, the placement was a little bit odd <laughs> and, uh, but that's why I didn't have any referred groin pain. I'm okay. Yep. So, um, so then I, you know, it, it was interesting because I had another physical therapist tell me that I should find a new hobby that like, I was never going to run the same again. Oh and that's so damaging, right? right like, right. even if, if it's a very severe injury, we never know that there's people who do amazing things with, uh, torn this, torn that, like there's right. tons of people who have labral tears and have no pain. Yep. So that in itself was just very, very damaging. But um, Lindsay Platts, who I mentioned um, earlier, she was very helpful. She had FAI and a labral tear, labral tear, or still has it, but it's asymptomatic. You know, we never yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably still there. Um, and she was so helpful in, in providing resources and was like, okay, someone else did this without surgery. I can do this without right. surgery. Yeah. Um, and and then also finding Renee Hodges, who's my my current coach. She was just amazing to to chat with, and and my sessions with her were very hands off. We did a lot of talking. She she asked me what you know what I thought I should do, and would either check it or agree with me. Um, and I you know obviously being a physical therapist, I can do a little bit more of that and take more responsibility for that, but. Yeah. One of the, the biggest things that she said that changed my entire pain experience was about three months after, well, maybe two months after I started seeing her and I was frustrated because I was having more pain at night. And uh, we had started some weight bearing strength, just very small, like mini squats, and <laughs> single leg balance, and uh, just gradually working into positions that were irritating. And those weren't those weren't painful. Those were fine. Or they were kind of this low scale, two to three out of 10. And, but I was having more night pain. And so I was flustered and I was thinking about calling, you know, getting quotes on surgeries. And, uh, she asked me, um, Steph, what does that pain mean to you? And 
oh gosh we're gonna we're gonna go there no we're gonna get deep <laughs> so, yeah. yeah yeah so you know and, and I thought about it and what it meant was you know that I was never gonna get better I was never gonna run again I was a terrible physical therapist because I couldn't even help myself you know all of these things that I had yeah. created out of a sensation mm-hmm. and once she asked me that and and I expressed that and she said is that true like no none of that doesn't mean that at all I kid you not my pain levels were like cut in half the I next believe it. and and got better from there on and so and I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it. and uh <laughs> and so that was just like uh an epiphany and not only my own pain experience but how to help other people too Mm-hmm. No, I really, I really like that because I've had such similar experiences in a lot of things. Shoot, I had something this week even going on and it's like, like I've had a lot of different pains too outside of just running pains and it, a lot is correlated. Yeah, you've had some chronic neck pain, right? Yeah, I have like some chronic neck yeah. pain and like for me, the big thing, and I think it's just kind of funny is like, it's a big driver in me doing my own thing and being happy in what I do. Cause if I go back and I think it's happened multiple times and it sounds crazy, maybe a little bit, but when I'm working for a job, I don't like like that neck pain comes on crazy. And I like even had this experience where I went back to, I was starting a new travel job and I had this vertigo start the night before. Like, I'm like, oh I was just thinking about this. Other day. I'm like, there's like, I have no doubt in my mind that correlated to me being anxious about going back and doing something I didn't like doing. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Like I think just getting the deep root of your thoughts, like you said, she had you say them out loud, you got to them and then yeah. the pain went away and like, and her asking, okay, was everything you just said that you're thinking true? And you're like, no, it's just in my head. It's just what I keep right. So Yeah. I'm just creating so much more out of this. Instead of thinking of this as like, oh, the tissue is stressed. That has no correlation to my value as a human. <laughs> right, right. Weird. Right. And I think also, like, as you get injured a lot, like, as a PT, too, it does kind of, like, you're like, oh, man, like you said, I'm a horrible PT, or how am I going to be a great PT myself, like, if I'm injured all the time? Like, definitely had right. those thoughts, too. I'm just like, oh, crap. Like, but I, I think it makes you better because you can relate to your patients, you know? <laughs> 100%. Yes, I, I completely agree. Yeah. So I love that you That's were able real. to get in contact with someone that was going to ask you the hard questions. And mm-hmm. like, if, uh, PT is just so much more than having the head knowledge. And I just learned that more and more as we move along and hear from people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're spot on there. And I think... Have you done the, or do you got know the guys, well, not the guys, but Steph Allen and Zach Gabor with the Level Up Initiative? Yes, yes. I don't, like, I know of them. I haven't, like, chatted with them personally or anything, but. Yeah, I think they're, so just like you said, there's so much more than, yes, you need those skills and you need to know the biomechanics of the anatomy, but I think they're, they're doing such a great job of opening that space up of critical reasoning and communication and, um, just interpersonal relationships in younger grads so that it, it carries through and we can get those skills earlier. Yeah. Um, so it's not something we have to discover as we go. It's, it's right there. Yeah. No, I've heard a lot of good things with what they're doing and um, yeah. bringing that awareness to not just being our like headspace knowledge yet. Like let's yeah. actually get our patients full results and what, what they need. 
Absolutely. Think a little yeah. differently and outside the box. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. There's definitely some some push for that and some, some good stuff going on. Yeah, I love it. Um, what was I going to say? So for anyone that's listening that has a labral tear or who has had a labral tear, let's go back to like your recovery and everything. How long were you working yeah. T for? Um, um, we met once a month for, gosh, probably only four, maybe five months. Okay. Um, and I, so I probably a month after, well, within the month after getting my MRI, I just started doing whatever movement I could. Um, even doing a full plank was painful at that point. I didn't have as much problem with flexion, like deep squats, like a lot of, a lot of people do with impingement and labral tears. Um, I think probably because of the location of my tear. Yeah. Um, but full extension was tough for me. So um, I would do whatever exercise I could to keep me sane in a, not in a non-pain way, in a low pain way. Um, because it, that, that's another thing. I think once we know what it is, um, you know, bones, we definitely don't want to do things that are going to create any pain. Um, but for tendons, even labrum, if we're staying in that like two to three out of 10 range of pain, we're generally okay and we can move forward. Um, and so I was doing very small movements, um, that would kind of load the hip or just doing upper body work for probably a good month. And then started doing a little bit of walking, swimming, um, and then just very gradual progressions to the movements that I wanted to do. So like I said earlier, like mini squats, some bridges, things that though kept me in a mid range didn't go to, to any end ranges. Um, doing like anterior hip stretches did not feel good. So that's another thing I think we, we need to, to recognize for others with labral tears, like stretching the crap out of it is probably not going to feel good. Those end ranges on either side are just going to create a little bit more irritation, at least in my case. So I barely did any stretching. Um, luckily for running, you don't need end range hip motion, um, which I have now, but we didn't push that at the beginning. Um, and, and then just, it was a very gradual reloading process. Um, anytime things kind of jumped up over that three out of 10 pain, um, I'd modify the positions or back off for a day. And then about six months in, I, I think I was probably ready sooner than that, but I was a little fearful. Yeah. Um, I started doing like jog for 30 seconds, walk for two minutes and repeated that and just gradually built up the time spent running versus the time spent walking over three or four more months until I could continuously run 30 minutes. And starting my running, I was, again, I was at like a two to three out of 10 pain level every time. Um, but as I ran, it actually improved. Um, and that was a big piece from Lindsay as well. I asked her in the early ranges or early stages of running, like, were you pain free by the time you started running? And she said, no, it actually got better. As I loaded it. Um, and I think that's an important point too is, you know, maybe we don't, we stop avoiding things that are causing pain until we're 100% pain free. Again, based on the, the pathology, right? I don't want, I don't want everyone to just go out <laughs> yes, thinking yes. that <laughs> I'm just going to keep Just remember, this isn't full. I mean, it is medical. No, it's not medical advice. You right. have to yeah, keep going. Yeah, someone. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, it's this. Just a podcast. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Educated, someone about that, but but it it can actually be something where as we return to the thing that we want, things start to to 
balance and get a little better with guidelines, of course, you know, we don't want it to be worse the day after that kind of thing, but, um, but to be less afraid of movement and small amounts of pain is, is my point. Yeah. And that loading, it's okay. Like I think two things, I think that I even learned from, I mean, my early years of being a PT, I was injured my first year still anyways. And like, I used to shy away from anything that hurt when I was injured. It was always like this all or none. I'd get injured. Okay. Like I would try to come back Oh, It wasn't better. I would get myself worse. And then I would just take time off because it wasn't worth it again. And I I would always Mm -hmm. wait until it was fully pain-free. But what I know now when I tell my patients is totally different. It's like, no, we need to load. I mean, depending again on what it is, if it's like bone stress injury, okay, this is going to be a different (laughs) story, but we need to load and kind of work and it's not working through the pain. It's let's see if we can get a little bit more without it getting worse. And I like the, the, the yeah, use of the two to three yeah. out of 10 pain tends to be that good limit. Okay. We up to that. It's okay, but let's try not, we don't want it to get worse, but if we can keep it under that and long-term it's not getting worse and maybe a little bit better, we're, we're good. Exactly. Yep. A hundred percent kind of. And, and oftentimes, I don't know if you find this even throughout a set, people will, will notice that it gets better or it feels better after even working yeah. through that amount of discomfort. Yeah. Do that too. Yeah. And that's always like a good sign. You're like, okay, that's good. And if it's getting a little right. worse, I mean, that's not bad either. We shouldn't use good and bad. I try not to, I know, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. data. It's just telling us something and we use and that so. data and then go from there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That's a really good point too. The words that we use matter a lot. And, and if we can kind of neutralize some of the experiences rather than just like you said using good or bad then right I think that's helpful in our healing yeah no so you like four months and you kind of did your own then your own like you had the help from your the PT right Mm -hmm. but you were doing a lot kind of um I mean I guess it just showed that you didn't have to go in that often you know yeah yeah I didn't really do any any hands-on work like didn't really need like joint modes. I would do some traction initially, but um, but I, I didn't feel like the manual therapy, it felt good. And I think a lot of people benefit from it. Right. Um, a lot of people I've worked with do get relief from some of the traction in the mobs. Um, but I didn't feel like it gave me uh, anything really extra. So yeah, it, it really wasn't too much hands-on. It was a lot more of the overcoming the fear and progressively reloading. Yeah, no, I, uh, um, no, I like that. And like, just goes to prove that it really does come down to the exercise component usually. And mm-hmm. you know the feel good stuff feels good, but we got to do the work. So yeah, a hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. I think the, the mindset and then exactly like you said, the exercise portion was huge and just understanding that it was going to take time. And, and I think that's, and again, Lindsay Plass has been a huge resource for me on hips. Um, I would, if anyone has issues, I would reach out to her as well. Um, but with, you know, surgeries, you take four months off anyway. Do we know if right. <laughs> it's the forced downtime that's helping you or was it the surgery? Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think they're doing more studies on that, like they've done with shoulders, the microbial decompression and that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> is it actually the, the surgery that's fixing you or is it this gradual rehab process? Mm-hmm. And not having surgery is very empowering. Um, it saves a lot of money 
Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and there, there are definitely cases, don't get me wrong, definitely cases where it is indicated, but I think we are not as patient with the rehab as we are with rehab from a surgery because of course yeah. there's, there's always you know uh, an effect of if someone does something to me that is supposed to make me better it will like me likely make me better but unfortunately I've talked to several people who had the surgery and still have pain yeah and that's very very frustrating isn't and isn't that funny that we like not the last part you're saying but that well um like, we'll go, like people, you'll get a surgery and you'll go to PT. Like, oh, I got to go because I had this surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to go to PT now. But how about if we just went to PT, not for the surgery, but it's the same thing. But that, right. like you said, that whole mindset of, oh, someone did something to me versus uh-huh. something done to me versus I just need to take care of my body. Um, but that's mm-hmm. also in our hands as PTs to, to educate the public, I guess. Totally. Oh, so Totally, oh. yeah. Yeah, and that's interesting you said that because I think even like right after I, I found out about it, I looked up post-op protocols. So I was like, okay, what if I pretend I have a surgery because I'm not getting it? But like, what would I do right, right after and right. say that it's fixed? What would I do right after? And yeah. it was very similar to the program that I ended up doing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, guys, yep, same, just gradual increase in activity. And- yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, it's holding up well now. Like I've been doing a lot more. I've been doing strengthening only on my left side and it's, it's completely fine. I would like, maybe if I sit for three or four hours, it gets a little sore, but I shouldn't, I don't really sit that long and I don't need to for the most part anyway. So um, I'm like so thankful that it's completely okay now so that I can work on that side while my right side heals. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. That's good. <laughs> uh, and you're working on that side way more now. So it just goes to, yeah, me. it's just fine. <laughs> yep, exactly. And, and you said that, so Lindsay Plass is who helped, or at least um, helped give you a lot of education regarding um, the, the labral tear and FAI and stuff. Does she only mm-hmm. work with people with hip injuries like that or no? Is it all? Oh, she's just very knowledgeable on it. She, she works for, oh gosh, Lindsay, correct me if I'm wrong. Hopefully I, right. I think the University of Chicago, she's in Chicago. Um, and she works for, uh, within a healthcare system. And it's okay. because she went through that experience, um, is very knowledgeable on it. Um, had a, like, had a talk, a lecture and a presentation about, um, what she's researched in regards to FAI. And, okay. uh, so that, that means femoral acetabular impingement. So if you don't know, it's kind of like, when there's uh, some basically like pinching in the hip, I think is probably what the most basic way to, to put yep. it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, she's a great resource. Um, Run Try Physio Lindsay Plass is her Instagram handle. Perfect. And then Renee Hodges is also very knowledgeable. Um, and then as far as bone stress injuries, um, Nathan Carlson out of Kansas City, running mate Casey is his handle. He, you are good. You can know all their handles. He knows a ton. <laughs> I do. He knows a ton. And then, of course, like we've we've chatted about Chris Johnson with the runner's zone. There's a yep. lot of good info in there, too, for clinicians. Yeah, no, there's a lot in there. And I even, there was one thing he posted one day on 
a hip injury. And I was like, Oh, I think I had a, a stress fracture in my hip actually when I was, cause I had this hip injury that never got better. And I just, I like, I would splike it. I remember. And like, it was in PT school and it just didn't get better. And I was like, I bet I had, and luckily I just took time off. So I guess it got better. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. My injuries, yeah. That might be what I had going on. <laughs> right. When it doesn't add up. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was that it was like a, I thought it was like a hip flexor, but it wasn't getting better. So yeah, super, that'd be super rare for a distance runner, right? But yeah, yeah. if you, if you don't, you know, have, and it's so hard to tell on ourselves too. Like, <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> First PTs on ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down, yeah, I've been trying to write down all the, the names, even from our last episode too, mm-hmm. that people are throwing out so that we can yeah. just, you know, good resource that everyone can, can follow. And, yeah. Yeah, and you know Ellie Summers and Abby Peachy, um, she's starting her own own thing too. But those two are are very knowledgeable as far as female running clinicians to follow. Yep, awesome, cool, perfect. And Danielle Crout, she's in Portland, Maine. Yeah, so, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> what's her handle? Actually, I think I might know. <laughs> yeah, she's starting line PT. I or run and run fit doc. I think those are the company, and then. Nope, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> if you need to know anyone's handle, just ask. Yeah, send me a message. Yeah. <laughs> She's got it down. Uh, no, I think that's super helpful and lots of good resources. Like I said, like if you if you're injured anywhere and you're listening to this in general and you just haven't found a good PT that's gotten you better, like reach out and we can refer you and find the right person for you for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. We just I just don't want other females to, you know, from whether it starts in high school or up to, to keep going through this cycle of nagging injuries and, and feel like their body is broken. Like that's, that's not okay. That's mm-hmm. something that we need to address, you know, it's, and it's probably not that your glutes are too weak. Let me tell you that, like, <laughs> like that is not helpful for anyone. So if, you know, if there's somebody who's just telling you that and you just like feel disempowered whenever you, you go to have someone help you, that's, that's what I'm, I can't, I'm not standing for that. So, so reach out to us and we will help you find someone who is going to make you feel like, a strong and, and resilient runner. Yeah, no, I like that. I was actually, I was listening and I'm, I'm, we're going off topic, maybe a little bit, whatever, <laughs> we'll get back on topic. but I was, I was listening to an interview that um, LA Summers did the other day. That was kind of similar to what you were just saying. Like, let's stop telling uh, female runners that they're weak and instead yes. empower them yes. Strong, so they're not thinking something's wrong with them, right? So. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's. Gosh, my even my my parents have told me, you know, maybe you should stop running because your bones are weak. Like, <laughs> okay, and it's coming from a place of concern. Like, no yes. doubt, people people are coming from a good place, but that that kind of talk and just like we don't realize it is not helpful and. You know, if there's something that you want to do, even if you keep getting hurt, like each time that I feel good running, it apparently outweighs the cost of getting injured. Yep. And, and that's okay. You know, if, if you're not at risk of a, of a light threatening injury or, you know, I'm not doing stupid things like running through a bone stress injury, 
then <laughs> then go for it. Like do the things that you want to do and get get the best guidance possible to make it make it what you want. But um, living your life in fear of you know getting hurt or being broken or um, just being ashamed of you know your beat that pronate a little bit too much that's not like you already have enough to worry about that's that's not not something that's that's going to get you where you want to go yeah I like it I like it and again you can relate this back to anything in life like yeah living your life in fear of anything like go after what you want like I truly believe anyone can run there's no I mean okay if Steph can run anyone can run okay <laughs> anyway if she can have this many bone stress injuries and still yeah, wouldn't be going out there figure it out you're going to see her going to the Olympic trials one day. So like, <laughs> go through all these <laughs> on this video. Um, but yeah, no, anyone can. Awesome. What, let's see, what else, anything else like from your story or even any other, like, I don't know, just words of wisdom you have for anyone with going through anything that you've gone through that you have for anyone. I know we've really gone into it all, but yeah, yeah, I feel like I, I talked a lot more than I usually do. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so so thank you for, for engaging me and, and listening. Um, no, I think just the, the big take-home points are kind of what we ended on. Like, uh, if you feel like you're in this in this cycle that's you're just not getting better, again, reach out. Like, um, I just talked to a guy in Texas, a friend of a friend who – um, had a foot injury and he still he wasn't really sure hadn't gotten much information on what exactly was going on but again he was told he should just stop running and very rarely is that the answer so seek second opinions um, reach out I agree with you Kristen I think you know with the right guidance and care um, almost everyone or if not everyone can get back to to running and especially if it's something that brings you life and fulfills you mm-hmm. um, be an advocate for yourself, just like you said earlier as well, and and find someone or reach out to us to help you find someone who can help you. Um, we both, being runners, we both get it. Like it's, there's nothing else that, that can replace it. Um, and yes, there are things that you can do. And again, it's good to kind of separate running from your identity. But if there's a way to get you back out there and just doing the things that you love, um, we're here to help you find that way. I love it. I love it. Well, lastly, then you might know that I'm going to ask you this question, but and maybe not. What in what has been your breaking five moments? So you know, my big goal is to break five minutes in the mile for you running, um, and hopefully we're even going to get there too. But what so far has been, and it could be anything, like through your your journey, has been your breaking five moment, whether it's a race or something you had to go through. Ooh. I think running that, that 15K in March, about a year after I could barely walk for 30 minutes without having a ton of pain, I think that was probably it. Um, and that, that feels big because it was definitely not my fastest time. I think I yeah. was like four minutes off that same course from seven years prior. Um, but just being able to be back out there and race and run faster than I expected, especially, yeah. you know, seeing that, that transformation in that over the past year. Um, I think, I think that's it. Mountain to fountain 2020. 
Hong Kong 2020. <laughs> it was really, it was like just, it was, it just happened. It really. <laughs> it did. Yeah. March 1st. So. Right before all the craziness fun. happened. Exactly. Yeah. Got in a, one last race. Exactly. Yeah. It was good timing. And I love that it wasn't your fastest time. It doesn't, you know, like just to prove that it doesn't have to be your fastest time. That's your, you know, that moment that meant a lot to you. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you went through a lot to get there versus when you're faster. I mean, yes, you still did at that point, but um, mm-hmm. just to know what you could do off of the training you did have. And yeah, that's just absolutely. I'd love to someday, I'd love to be that fast. That'd be, yes, flying. Oh <laughs> get there, get there. Just more, yep, consistency. <laughs> consistency. I'm definitely not going to be there for a long time again either, but yes, so. you will. Yes, you will. So. <laughs> So just loving the journey, huh? Yes. It, yeah. You got to fall in love with the journey for sure. Yeah. I think that's one of the coolest things about running and injury too. Like every, coming yeah. back from injury, just fall in love with the process of slowly getting faster, even though it's not where you've been before, but just absolutely like seeing that day in day out work come to play. Yeah. Yeah. Our bodies are like truly amazing. It's kind of mind blowing if we were to step <laughs> back and be like, wow, Look how far I've come since this point, or I can't believe I did that and, you know, and have done this multiple times, like my body's still going and it's, you know, we've, we put them through a lot. So right. pretty cool. And our minds too, you know, that's a big part of it. Yes. <laughs> Body and mind are resilient. I love it. <laughs> big word. <laughs> I use that a lot. well where 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 can our listeners find you at if you don't mind sharing so like i shared at the beginning steph is in scottsdale arizona so if you are um if you are local to the area and ever find yourself needing a pt in person she is there Um, but she also works virtually as well Um, where can our listeners um, find you at um so on facebook um i'm more active on my personal page so stephanie munt m-u-n-t-t m-u-n-d-t <laughs> spell it out slowly most of the time <laughs> um and uh, then instagram my handle's at volante underscore pt that's v-o-l-a-n-t-e underscore pt um and then yeah from there you can just send me a message and we can get in touch i love it and then you recently started a facebook group as well correct Yes, I can't believe I forgot about that. I'm super excited. Um, yes, it's called She Runs, and it's specifically for females, so we can talk about these things that are a little bit different than our our male counterparts, even like feeling after a run, um, how to deal with um, your period and different parts of your cycle, and how that impacts the intensity that you can you can run with um, effort levels and sleep, and how hormones impact as well your your effort levels and hydration. There's just a lot of female specific things that uh, I'm just starting to learn about and want to share with others. I love it. Join it at, uh, you can look up She Runs or the link is on my uh, Facebook page. Maybe I can find the link even and put it, put, put it in the, put yeah. it in the notes for you. Yeah, I can send that to you. <laughs> I can find it too. I'm sure it's right on your, on your page. Um, and then, yeah, she's, Pete, physical therapist, like I said, in Scottsdale, also um, running coach. And do you do PT vir- or virtually too? I can um, pretty much only in Arizona and Michigan are the only two states. Okay. Arizona and Michigan for, um, for PT, but then run coaching wherever. 
Yep. Run coaching. Yep. Exactly. Wherever. So if you want to follow Steph, join the group, anything, get in touch with her. Um, I'll have those links in the show notes as well. Is there anything else that I missed that you'd like to promote or anything you have coming out or anything? Um, there will be some big announcements um, coming up the next couple of weeks. So if you follow me, I can't say yet, but if you follow me, um, <laughs> I don't know. About those. <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention too, if you do know a young athlete um, or a friend or any female runner or any female athlete, to be honest, struggling with eating issues who just wants to chat about it and someone who's been in a similar space, um, I'm not, you know, going to be their, their therapist or trying to, to do anything like that, but just chatting with someone who's had a similar, uh, been in a similar space can be helpful. So feel free to contact me and connect me with them. Um, and hopefully we can just chat. I love it. Yes. So don't be shy to reach out for any of the things that she talked about for sure. So awesome. Well, thank you, Steph. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. I'm getting to know your journey more. I know it's going to be helpful to a lot of listeners out there and we'll get the word out um, on all things that you shared in here. So thank you for sharing your journey. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kristen. This is super fun. I feel like we could chat all day. We could. We just keep <laughs> we chatting. Were, we were too long. I know. That's why I was like, we're just chatting here. That's really what we're doing. So we'll have one again. We'll just we'll just chat life. Maybe we'll just chat yeah. all our similarities. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. With our parents. And anyways, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll we'll see you on the next episode of Breaking Five. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips, and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking Five moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking Five moment, that doesn't have to actually mean literally Breaking Five, just a Breaking Five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their Breaking Five moment, I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram. And that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore run your life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.